So this evening is the start of the Lenten season. It's, it's more than just ashes on our forehead. It's the first step in a several weeks long journey. It's also an opportunity for us to do some real introspection and heart surgery, carefully separating from our spirits that those, those things that are not of God. I want to begin this evening in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth in the fifth chapter where Paul introduces us to this idea of reconciliation with God. Hear what he has to say. He says, So we, you and I, are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, in those two verses, there is an entire sermon series. We will only scratch the surface tonight, but... Our purpose here this evening as, as we move from this solemn night into the Lenten season, once again, comes around every year like clockwork. We should expect it by now, but somehow I think we're just never quite ready, are we, to do this kind of self-inspection and heart surgery. But our purpose is to reflect on the meaning of Paul's words in these two verses in our lives. Because we as a church have been working together both in the Sunday morning worship service and in our weekly Bible study time, we have been working together to build ourselves into these ambassadors for Christ that Paul speaks of in this passage. And during this Lenten season, we, we need to pause long enough to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice and what it means to us and to our relationship to him. And we need to take stock of our spiritual health and where we stand with God today. Now, in order to do that, we go back to the basics. We examine just exactly what it is that Jesus has done for us. And Paul says here in verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Paul is clear here that Jesus did what he did for us, for you and for me. For our sake. He says, now, if we think about that critically, he did it for us 
because we had a problem. A problem that we couldn't solve on our own. He wouldn't have had to do it for us if we didn't have that problem. But we're human. We live in a fallen and broken world. We are fallen and broken people. And so we had a problem. We had a big insurmountable problem called sin. Sin was an obstacle. It was a wall. It was this grand chasm that separated us from a completely holy and just God. There was no way for us to get over this sin obstacle, to cross over this chasm on our own. It was far too wide a gap between sinful humanity and perfect God. We had a problem. And so Paul tells us that God made Jesus to be sin. Well, what in the heck does that mean? God made Jesus to be sin. Well, I can tell you for starters what it does not mean. It, it doesn't mean that Jesus was simply a sin offering. Like an animal sacrifice offered up for the temporary relief of the guilt of an offense. No, that's not what Jesus was at all. Paul's words tell us here that Jesus became sin. That is, he took on all the sin of the world, past, present, and future, completely canceling out the sin debt for humanity for all time. Why did he do that? Well, he tells us the answer. He did that so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, words mean things. We weren't just made righteous. No. That would be great, but that's not it. Everything. Not just made righteous, but we would be totally transformed into righteousness. Totally transformed into the perfectly holy and justified righteousness of God. It doesn't get any better than that. Jesus, who was God, who was sinless, who was righteousness, exchanged all of that for our sinfulness and gave to us in that exchange his righteousness. I will go on saying this as, as, as long as I'm preaching. In that exchange, you and I got the better end of the deal. Oh, by far. We got the better end of the deal. What does that mean exactly for us? Well, since the cost of sin is always death, since the price for sin is always separation from God for all eternity, the fact that Jesus took all of that upon himself and gave us his righteousness means that through Jesus, we now have life, but not just life, but eternal and abundant life with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Have you wrapped your mind around that yet? Have you, have, you, have you let that soak in? 
do you, do you see that because of Jesus, you now have eternal life with him in your future? And there's a word for that. Hope. Certainty. So now that we know what the problem was and how God fixed it, and now that we know we have eternal life with him and we have sure certain, absolute hope, what do we do with it? What do you do with it? Eternity is a long time, and we've been given that. What are we going to do? I don't know what I'm doing next week. What are we going to do with this great gift that God has given us? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, as we work together with him, Jesus, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain, for he says at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. And then he says, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights and hunger. It ain't easy being a Christian. Wasn't in Paul's day. It's not easy today. But Paul says we did it anyway. How did we do it? We did it by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. We did it with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. We did it when we were honored and we did it when we weren't. We did it when our reputation suffered. And we did it when we were lifted up and elevated. Paul says we were treated as imposters and yet we were true. We were treated as unknown and yet we are well known. We were thought to be a dying breed and see we are alive. We were punished and yet we have not died. We have been sorrowful, yet we are always rejoicing. We've been poor, yet we make many rich. We have been as having nothing, and yet we possess everything. See, it's all about perspective, being a Christian. You can... Choose to look through the lens that the world looks at you through. Or you can choose to look at yourself and the ministry and the family of God you assemble with and worship with. You can look at yourself and others the way that God sees you. It's a choice. Paul tells us, that we need to be very careful not to squander even one little bit 
of this marvelous life that God has given us. He says, God reminds us that I heard your call in the nick of time. The day that you needed me, I was there to help. See, Paul is reminding us that people are watching us as we stay at our post as Christians. They're watching us. Why are they watching us? Well, they watch us all the time. They watch us in hard times. They watch us in tough times, bad times. Watch us when we're beaten up for our faith, jailed for our faith, mobbed. They watch us when we're working hard, when we're working late, when we're working without eating. They look to see if we have a pure heart, a clear head, a steady hand. They watch us in our gentleness and our holiness and our honest love. They watch us when we're telling the truth. They watch us when God is showing his power. They watch us when we're doing our best at setting the world right. They watch us when we're praised. They watch us when we're blamed. They watch us when we're slandered. And they watch us when we're honored. They watch us when we're true to our word even though they distrust us. They ignore us. We're ignored by the world, but we're recognized by God. We are terrific, terrifically alive, Paul says, even though we're rumored to be dead. You see, there's a, a contradiction in the life of every Christian the worldview and the Christ view. And we try at all times to look at ourselves and others through the Christ view. And so in the Lenten season, which we embark on tonight, we have this opportunity to examine ourselves. Every year it comes around. Now, granted, we should be examining ourselves all the time, but we focus on it in Lent because this is an opportunity to look deeply into ourselves and evaluate what path we're on. Are we living our lives in a way that is God-honoring? That's Christ-like? Or are we living our lives in some other way? See, it's a long-standing tradition in Christianity to give up something for Lent. Have you heard that? How many people have heard that? Give up something for Lent. Long-standing tradition. People tend to look at their lists of, of likes, things they like to do, and they elect in some sacrificial manner to give one of them up for Lent, or maybe several. For example, they'll give up red meat. They'll give up sweets. They'll give up Cokes, pancakes, bacon. No. <laughs> no, say it isn't so. They'll, they'll look at their habits or unhealthy lifestyle, and they'll decide that they'll give up at least one of those for Lent. Maybe they'll stop smoking or drinking or what have you. Now, giving up some of those things is fine and good. I, the thing is, if, if that's all we think that Lent is, then we're missing the point. And if we don't get it right as the church, 
How's everybody else going to understand it and get it right? See, here's the thing, and I'm going to be terribly, awfully rude and blunt. Jesus didn't die a horrible death on a cross. God didn't give his only begotten son to die on that cross so that we would stop putting sugar or cigarette smoke into our bodies or so that we could feel like we were being sacrificial by giving up our daily cup of coffee at Starbucks for a few weeks. No, no, he did not. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. He rose from the dead so that we could share in the resurrection through him. And as Paul points out, Jesus was there for us when we needed him on the day of our salvation. Shouldn't we pause for this season of Lent at the very least and do some heart surgery, some spiritual heart surgery to separate that stuff that's in us that's not of God Lay that at the foot of the cross. Let God take it and replace it with something that has impact for the kingdom of God. Amen. Are we acting in any way as though we are appreciative for Jesus taking our sin on himself and giving us the righteousness of God? Are we working on our understanding of Him and who we are in our relationship to Him? Are we working every day, working out our salvation, working out our sanctification so that each and every day we are one step closer to being like Christ and becoming worthy of the sacrifice that He made for us? And so I might suggest... Instead of giving something up, why don't we do something of real and lasting value? I suggest this almost every Lenten season. For example, if you were to give up your trip to Starbucks and use that money to feed a homeless person a hot meal, that would have eternal value. Giving up the Starbucks, eh. but replacing it with something that has kingdom impact, that's where... The eternal value lies. If you were to give up your time of binge watching your favorite TV show and devote that time to prayer or to giving your undivided attention to a family member, that would have eternal value. See, it's not about the giving up. It's what you do in place of it. Now that you have the time, now that you have the resources, what do you do with them? What do we do? Eternity is a long time, remember? If we were to spend the time or money we'd normally spend on whatever it is we like to do, spend those resources on giving back to family, to church, to community, then we would really have made an impact for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Paul says people are watching us as we stay at our post, as we go to church on Wednesday night to get ashes on our forehead. 
to see how we do, to see what we do, to see if there's anything at all to this Christianity thing, to see if there's anything at all to this person, Jesus, to see if we are genuine or are we nothing but mist and vapor, smoke and mirrors. And my favorite one, here it comes, Gene, all hat and no cattle. I love that. All hat and no cattle. There's a bunch of those down at the rodeo this season. All hat, no cattle. Spend this Lenten season aligning your heart and mind with the heart and mind of Christ. That's what we're about to step off on. A Lenten journey where we have the opportunity to get our heart in line with the heart of Christ, to get our mind in line with the mind of Christ. We can't forget that we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal to the fallen and broken world through you and me. And so Paul says, I entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God because reconciling your heart, getting it in line with the heart of God is the first step in healing a fallen and broken world. You can't have any impact out there until you have solved the heart problem in here. For our sake, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. If you do the heart surgery, if you get your heart right, then you will be equipped To bring someone else into the kingdom. Because they're watching. And they can smell disingenuity. They know when you're faking it. Fake it till you make it doesn't work in Christianity. It just doesn't. They can see a phony a mile away. But they can also see genuine love and caring And they will be drawn to it like a moth to the flame. You are the light. You are the one with the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in you. God has appointed you. To be his light in the world. So we step off on this Lenten journey together. It'll be long. It'll be difficult. But if you do the work, then when we get to Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the risen Christ, we get to share not only in the resurrection, but in the victory. You will be triumphant. 
having done all the corrective surgery over these next 40 days. It's a solemn time, but there's joy in every small victory in here and out there. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.